Hello and welcome to the Aftershock uh, with Robert Jonas and Jamin Moore. I'm Philip Leva, and we're here after a 3-0 victory for the San Jose Earthquakes against Sporting Kansas City. Gentlemen, we have a brace from Jeremy Abobasi and a goal from Christian Espinoza. And we see Cade Cowell actually make a mark on the score sheet tonight with the assist on the first goal. So lots happening here on this 3-0 uh, victory, especially with the red card for Sporting Kansas City. Jamin, I'm going to kick it over to you first. Your initial thoughts after the match. Mark's got it right. Kate had a good game tonight. You can't say he didn't. No, he's right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, it, it was a, was it a perfect game? No, but I mean, let, he was involved in all three goals tonight. He had an assist. He had a second assist, which was really nice chip ball uh, to uh, to Paul Marie, which made the cutback to to uh, Jeremy Abobasi really simple. And he hit the ball over the top of Jeremy Abobasi that created the dog. So, and the penalty opportunity, you know, great night from Kate Cowell, you know, hopefully this is, uh, this is what we keep, keep seeing from him. But, you know, as again, you know, as we, as we, we say pretty much every week, you know, between Christian Espinoza and Jeremy Abobasi, like this, this, you know, the offense revolves around the kind of game they're going to have. And fortunately Christian Espinoza continues this hot streak. And now Jeremy Abobasi gets back into the act with the brace tonight. So, you know, a good all-around performance that, you know, the red card has, has a lot to do with, you know, how comfortable the result was. But, you know, the Quakes were, were getting in, in control at that point anyway. Yeah, and one thing I didn't mention in the intro here is that it's the 20th anniversary celebration for the San Jose Ultras. And you can kind of hear some of the festivities going on in the background there as the Ultras are celebrating during halftime, there's like a lot of partying and dancing going on. They had the big TIFO. Robert, I know that you had tweeted that out. Um, and so with all of that going on, uh, with, you know, the, the team doing well, with the call-ups to the U.S. national team for Cade Cowell and Jackson Ewell, there's a lot to celebrate for Quakes fans. But Robert, I'm interested in what your thoughts are after this match. Yeah, I think a, a player that impressed me from the beginning was Paul Murray. Uh, you know, he had a pretty tough task with Johnny Russell as, as you know, Casey's you know, really strong player on that side and occasionally having to deal with Graham Zussi on those overlap runs and mm. kind of cutting into the middle. And he just played really well. He, he's really stepped up this year as a, a dependable defender and something that, you know, I think was, uh, you know, something Lucci was going to need. You know, this was a team that wasn't exactly shining at fullback last year uh, overall. And now you've got a very capable player and Paul Marie that can play either side. Acapo had another uh, strong uh, game on the other side, mm -hmm. really limiting KC in the, at the point of the game where it was still 11 v 11. Um, and I was also, I, I want to point out that uh, JT with his third clean sheet since uh, taking over the starting duties uh, in the third game of the season, had, you know, he made some excellent saves tonight. I mean, yeah. like, tipping one off the crossbar, uh, a, a laser from Zussi in the first half that he's mm -hmm. able to push over as well. You know, these are the kinds of uh, you know plays that just sort of get lost when you look at a, a three nothing, you know, 10 man down Kansas City team victory here at mm -hmm. uh, PayPal Park. But, you know, those are two players that I, I've got on my notebook that I was very impressed with tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just overall for me, the defense, you know, with the center backs playing the way they are, there was that little, uh, you know, error in the very beginning of the match mm -hmm. that Rodriguez had on uh, the first minute. But then after that, it seemed like he really found himself. He found his feet. He was able to get involved in the attack. Uh, I have, I think in my notes here on that, that goal where I had like the enormous pass sequence for mm -hmm. the quakes, 
I mean, there was something like 10, 10 passes or something like that there, right? We saw the, the ball distributed all throughout the pitch. JT Marcinkowski was the one who started it, but there was definitely input from Rodriguez and Mensa and a lot of the other players on the pitch as well. So we got to see a really nice balance of like a flow from this team. Uh, we saw it prior to the red card, and obviously we saw it a lot after the red card as well. But Robert, one thing you pointed out during the match is the Quakes actually gave a lot of space to Sporting Kansas City um, in the second half after the red card. And we, we actually saw them with quite a bit of the ball and were, they were able to create a few opportunities as well. They were, they were, and I think you know the Quakes weren't necessarily in coasting to victory mode, but it was, it wasn't a sort of as, you know, uh, you know, fast and 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 you know, sort of you know, foot on foot forward game that they were playing in that first half. You know, the the first eight minutes or so until they did get that penalty, you know, to, until they did get that goal. You know, Espinosa with a, an excellent finish at the back post, Kate mm. Cal getting his first point of the season, which we were talking about earlier. You know, these these are things that uh, you know those first few minutes seemed a bit cagey, but the the Quakes really controlled it at that point. And I imagine they came out of the locker room just in maintain mode, you know, just don't let Kansas City take, get mm-hmm. too comfortable, but uh, not uh, not you know, we sort of you know, jam this game down their throats like you know maybe we uh, yeah something we would have liked to have seen. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that too. And then and then there was also we didn't really see any substitutions or moves from. Uh, Luchi Gonzalez until pretty far in, into the match, right? Uh, we After the red card, we we're kind of talking about, well, maybe this would be an opportunity, especially if the Quakes are in control, to see maybe some of the bench players get some time, especially considering the Quakes have a U.S. Open Cup match coming up after the match against RSL on the road, right? So they had to travel to uh, Salt Lake City, and then afterward they have to play that match against Monterey. So there's kind of the, – the schedule could be getting quite a bit – crowded here so it would have been interesting to see some of those guys but Jamin I'm kind of interested in your thoughts here tactically how the team looked um, prior to the red card and then afterwards and then kind of the approach that Lucci is taking here not necessarily going with a lot of the subs early on and allowing that starting 11 to get a lot of the time together yeah I I think uh, you know there was an opportunity to to kind of create some chemistry in, in the passing game tonight once the game really started to open up you know, it's this, the Quakes team was able to move the ball pretty much at will. And at times they had to resist just immediately trying to break and go forward. Normally when they're 11 v 11, you know, you can see like, Hey, they are just like going to go forward. They're going to be progressive with the ball as soon as they think that opportunity presents itself. And we hear Lucci, you know, talk all the time about that type of ball, ball progression and breaking lines and such. Um, Tonight, I think they they had to be a bit more restrained and really kind of see the game out and make sure that they weren't going to make some sort of mistake, even up 2-0 in the second half. That was going to give a glimmer of hope, uh, you know, in this game to Sporting Kansas City. And a lot of that was due to the fact that they could just move the ball uh, and keep it going and then, you know, take off a minute or two at a time, just being able to comfortably move the ball. You know, what's so different, I think, about the Quakes teams over the last, you know, three, four or five years really has been this ability to, you know, to be able to pass and to go forward, to go backward, to go forward and be able to move the ball comfortably. Quakes teams, you know, before that, you know, struggled uh, in the passing game, stringing 20 passes together. This team seems to do it with a fair bit of, of regularity. They can they can string 20 passes together if they choose to hold the ball and choose to, to, to use a little bit of it. 
a lot of times though, they're just too impatient for it. And, and I think like that's what Lucci wants. So it, it's not a criticism. It just means that they're looking to kind of get forward quickly. Um, so I was fine with that. I think, uh, I think it's all part of seeing the game out, learning how as a, as a team that is not used to being in situations where you get to see many games out, you know, actually doing that in a game tonight in a very comfortable way. Yeah, at times, you know, you're going to have to kind of drop in and Sporting Kansas City is going to, to try to have the ball and break you down. But I never felt like the Quakes were, were desperate uh, defensively. I, I always felt that they look in control. And that's such a huge difference between this team and, and, and you know, just the last three, four years with Almeida. And even with Cavello, the teams just des were desperate on the defensive side and and you know, that kind of allows them the ability to let the other team have the ball a bit, but to keep it under control, to keep the ball in front of them, uh, to put pressure on and to find ways to be able to do that. Yeah. And I think for me, that was one of the questions uh, coming into this season was how comfortable would the Quakes look when they had those opportunities to like get later into the games when they had, uh, you know, the, the goal advantage against other teams um, when they had possession, would they look more comfortable with the ball? Because under the Matias Almeida system, they were often scrambling. They, they had a lot of possession, right? If you go back and look at the possession stats for the quakes under Matias Almeida, they had the ball a lot, but I think you're right, Jamin, there wasn't that sense of like calm of that, like the trust in the system and the stability of the defense to be able to pass freely and look at the team tonight. I mean, against Sporting Kansas City, not only were they passing, making those 20 pass sequences as you referenced, but there was flair in there as well. I mean, it's beyond just being normal for this team to be able to string together those passes. We're seeing back hills from Jamiro Montero. We're seeing like really uh, risky runs from the wingers that perhaps they wouldn't take before because they would be too concerned about their defensive responsibilities. So there's a lot more going on here under the system that, yes, brings in that calm for the team so they can actually do a lot more to get forward and put balls in the back of the net. Well, also, and, I, and this came up during the game, Phil, I, I turned to you at some point and said, has Carlos Grezzo touched the ball yet? <laughs> it seemed like he, you know, you know, you, you know, what was he doing out there? And then you pulled up the heat map for me and he'd already had 32 touches yeah. at that point in the first half. He was having an impact in the game in the way that he is meant to have an impact in that defensive midfield role. It, you know, very uh, good uh, position side to side. You know, you could see him sort of sharing that space with Jackson at times, mm -hmm. kind of switching positions, but just being clean and, 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 and and just you know, not taking he's not taking the chances, which I think is exactly what you're mentioning. It allows you know a little more of that uh, you know sort of flexibility as you get higher up the pitch. Those guys can you know kind of make the make the plays, knowing yeah. Carlos is there to sort of clean up if something happens. Absolutely, and I think with Jamiro Montero, that gives him the flexibility to be yeah. to play a lot more laterally. We saw in the goal that was scored uh, early on in the match from Christian Espinoza. Jamiro Montero actually make it out onto the wing to be a part of that, uh, you know, back and forth with Cade Cowell, which led to the cross that went all the way to the back post that uh, Espinoza was able to finish. And so it, Gruezo playing that, you know, stable position allows a lot for this midfield beyond himself. So looks like we're going over to Luchi Gonzalez now. All right. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. Following Sanzo's 3-0 win over Sporting Kansas City. Uh, let's begin with questions for Lucio Gonzalez, starting with one from Robert Jonas. Uh, thank you. Um, Coach, congratulations. Uh, thank you. Um, Coach, congratulations. It was a, a very comprehensive win tonight. Um, obviously, the red card plays a big role, but uh, with all the kind of distractions perhaps that the team was experiencing this week, how proud of you are the guys to, to, to come out tonight and, and put such a good performance? 
Yeah, definitely very proud. Um, you saw their determination and early urgency uh, when the game started. I even felt it, I think, in the warm-up uh, and in the locker room in terms of these guys want to get after, they want to compete um, and play. So really proud of the group uh, to have a performance like that. I know, like you said, the the early red card does, does make it difficult for the opponent. But look, I think Dortmund played today. They, they were up a man and and the game is unpredictable. Sometimes you can get casual or loose. And I'm proud of our guys to have a mature performance in the second half. Um, and also show that same uh, determination to attack and press and score the third goal, which I thought was really important. And then look, re regarding um, the experience we had in New York and, and then kind of through the week, I, I said it in an earlier press conference midweek, the guys from first training back, they were competing, they were pushing each other. They love the game. They love to be around each other. And and uh, and so, you know, they carried that through the week. And, and I felt they performed well tonight because of their mentality uh, to compete and, and want to play and, and take advantage of every moment. Next, uh, Javon Moore. Unmuted. Hi, Lucci. Congratulations, you know, on the win tonight. Um, you know, you, you hit a lot of players who had good nights. And uh, but one that uh, stood out that maybe has struggled a bit this season is Cade Cowell. He had an assist. He had a secondary assist. It was really nice to Paul Marie, who set up the cutback. And then uh, he put that ball over top to Jeremy Abobasi that created the dog. So red card uh, and the penalty. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, Cade and, you know, the work that uh, that he's been been putting in and, and continues to, to get these opportunities to start. And tonight, you know, you were rewarded, you know, for uh, for keeping with him. Yeah, he's a young man who uh, I got to know last year working with the national team. He got a, he got a camp, well, actually a year and a half ago. But in 2021, he was in a camp in California, which was my first camp. And that was kind of my first experience in terms of seeing his potential and his mentality at a young age. So um, I was excited before the season started, before the preseason, to, to just work with this young player and know that um, he's already has experience in the league, but has such, has such a high ceiling. And can continue to grow and, and develop and help this club and this team uh, compete and win. Um, tonight was a great example of, I, I felt like decisiveness, you know, he, he was very clear when he wanted to cross, when he wanted to shoot, when he wanted to combine his pressing, forward pressing, back pressing. And then he showed a good commitment to stay connected defensively. So whatever the decision was, if there was a mistake or not, or it worked or not, I, I also saw like an EQ, like an emotional, um, intelligence to be calm and to just fight for the next moment and be confident in the next moment. So really complete uh, game. And it's just to me an example and a reference uh, for more, more games to come, more opportunities to come for him. He's going to be going with the national team. So we'll look forward to hopefully him getting opportunity there and representing uh, our league, our country, our club. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll have him back uh, ready for our next game against Salt Lake. But yeah, definitely proud of, his development on and off the field and he trains hard and he's open-minded. So at the end of the day, not surprised that he can have a performance like tonight. Let's now take a question from Paula Maruri. Um, muy buenas noches. Um, uh, what did you like the most about your team's offense and defense tonight? Thank you. Look, I, I think we set the tone early. We we wanted to push the game, push each moment early. 
um, to play in their half. I actually thought Kansas City, the first few minutes were were pretty imposing, but the fact that we were able to kind of turn that momentum around quickly and early and then create our own chances and create our own presses, I thought was great. It showed a good mental, like I said earlier, determination of the boys. But in the attack, what I liked, I liked that we had volume of, of ideas in terms of crossing and passing into the box, shooting even if blocked, but just having quick releases to shoot. Put, I thought we got more shots on target, which ended in, in goals, and, and so that's a correlation. And then defensively, I saw us look for good moments and triggers to press, and then when it was broken, getting behind the ball. And we had to, we had to defend in a low block sometimes. But what I liked is we didn't do it with nine or ten players. We were able to get 11 guys behind the ball and, and be compact to weather those moments in the, in the lower block. Let's now take a second question from Robert Jonas. Go ahead, Robert. Uh, thanks. Um, we saw tonight the, the team celebrate uh, the San Jose Ultras and their 20 years of, of supporting this club. And, you know, the guys were out in pregame wearing the T-shirts and, and it looked like everyone after the game was able to go over there and, and say thank you to, to that group. How important has, uh, you know, they've been, you know, from your experience, you've just been here a short period, but knowing the influence they've had on, on the players on the field, as well as, you know, you guys have been just, you know, having a fantastic start to the home season and just, you know, getting that fan support. What was it like being able to kind of see them give that support and show them the support back tonight? Yeah, that was a great um, turnout from, from the ultras and, and all of our fan base, but, but, you know, specifically with the ultras, it's a very historical fan group in the league um, and, and, you know, sustained support for this game and for this club. Over, over all the experiences, ups and downs and periods of the, of the club. So, um, you know, you feel their energy, you feel their passion and congrats to them in, in the 20 year anniversary and we wanted to make them proud. And I'm glad we had a performance like tonight where we were able to do that. Uh, I remember after the Toronto game, you know, we were disappointed with time, but I, although we did some really good things, we pushed to try to win there at the end. Um, and, and, and the members of the ultras just, just being really positive and showing belief and energy that, that well, you know, we're going to keep fighting and for the next one. And so you feel that. Uh, and especially in an MLS season through ups and downs, you, you want that unconditional support and, and desire and energy. So, you know, thank you to them. Thank you to all the members and the, and the long-term commitment and for many more years to come. Um, and hopefully we can give, more, give them more things to celebrate. Thank you, Luigi. Let's two, take two more questions. Uh, this first one comes from Fabi Renkel. He asks, uh, Please, if you can please give your thoughts on Christian Espinosa's decision to give Jeremy Avosi uh, the penalty opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, look, this is a, a strong collective group. They they train that way. They compete. They push each other. But they're, when that final whistle blows and when they walk off the field at the end of a training, they're very together and strong um, as a unit. So I'm not surprised by Christian having that selflessness and gesture to to, uh, you know, he has been taking the PKs and could have very well stepped up to take another. But for him to to show selflessness with J-Bo is, is amazing. And it's a great example of who he is, not just as a talented player, but as a, as a human being and as, as a teammate. Uh, and it was great to see J-Bo step up with confidence and, and put it away. And and uh, he's been working hard. And, you know, whether he scores or not, he's he's always there to try to help his teammates compete. Um, and, you know, the and that's that's something that, that me as a coach, I, I can be very proud of. And one final question from Jamie Moore. Unmuted. Hi, Coach. Thanks for taking a second. Um, you know, 
obviously in a clean sheet, you know, there's a lot of defensive side heroes as well. Uh, it felt like tonight the entire the entire defense, you know, played well from the very beginning. Uh, one of the things that's been noticeable since the beginning of the season is how much more calm they seem in the back. Even when there's a mistake, they feel like they can kind of correct it, win the ball back and be able to play back out again. And there's no desperation in terms of, you know, just, just clearances and sliding all over the place. They keep their feet and, and uh, do a good job keeping the ball in front. Um, in a game like this and a team that's struggling and desperate for goals, you know, how important do you think that kind of mentality is uh, to uh, to being able to make sure you keep control of the game, uh, particularly when you get the early goal like that? Muted. Yeah, I believe the kind of the first part of your question is just, you know, what has helped the team stay calm in those moments maybe in, in the build up if we're receiving pressure, or even if we lose the ball and we're defending. So um, I, I think the group is shows like a patient urgency where we want strong fast actions and, and intensity and but at the same time we want to be calm and know that to you know we can we can weather the moment we can get through the moment so look in terms of you know there's different ways to try to work on that improve it develop it but in training you know we're going to have a build up and we're going to try to bring the ball forward and break lines and there's going to be mistakes players are going to make mistakes it's a game of mistakes in fact if they're not making them we're not we're not trying to do enough we're not trying to impact the game enough collectively and individually. So we know mistakes are going to happen, but can we have a good press after loss? Can we have a good reaction collectively to get it back or to get defensive in a good defensive recovery shape? So I think when you do those things well, and, and which we're trying to do, then you can be more confident in your buildup, knowing that we as a group, we've got each other's back. If there's a mistake to try to, to get behind the ball or get it back. So we want to keep working that way and keep improving that. All right. Thank you, Lucci, and thank you, everyone, for the questions. We'll be bringing over a player here shortly. Take care. Thank you. Good night. Okay. Uh, let's start with that question that you asked, Jamin, because you're talking about the sort of calm that this team seems to have when they're, uh, you know, so defensively settled in. And one of the things that Lucci just mentioned was they're not afraid to go out there and, and make mistakes. And we've heard Lucci mention this before, right? Um, this comes from his, you know, not only years of experience as a coach, but also as a teacher and as a former like teacher myself, this is something that you kind of talk about with your students. And I'm really glad to hear that he's bringing this into uh, his, his approach to coaching as well as like, look, mistakes are going to happen. And yet we find ways to learn from them, to recover from them and to be better after that. And sometimes, you know, we just work with what we have. And again, going back to the very beginning of the match, when Rodriguez made that early mistake, they bounced back from it. They recovered very quickly and they were poised the entire time. So, Jamin, going back to your question here, just kind of your thoughts about Lucci's response to the Quakes and their calmness on the pitch uh, up against Sporting Kansas City. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely right. Uh, you know, of course, um, it's it's a game where if you if you don't press the issue when you try to get forward, you're never going to be creative enough uh, to be able to surprise the other team and be able to break them down, particularly in a game where there's been a red card and they're going to sit in a low block. You have to be able to, to do things that are going to be surprising. That starts with the build-out. If the build-out is predictable, it's easy to press, easy to get you to turn the ball over, easy to know where you're going to go next, easy to step and steal it, and now you're under pressure, right? So, yes, you have to, you have to be able to be 
uh, creative, you have to be able to be um, some level of unpredictable when it comes to the build out. I think what's interesting is that when they do make that mistake, just, you know, how there's in, in, in the, the previous, you know, team, you know, people would just be flying all over the place because of the 1v1 defending. And even when, you know, they tried to, to bring in a more traditional defense last year, you know, the how easy they were to kind of penetrate into the box and be able to just get them to lose their feet. You know, it that's that's all changed. It's it's really good to see. You have to give a ton of that credit to Jonah Mensah. You really do, because he's just he's just unflappable back there. Um, he's seen everything there is to see in this league. He's won an MLS Cup. He knows what it takes. He knows defense, you know, wins championships. And he knows, I think what, one of the things that's really interesting about Rodriguez, who, by the way, has the second most interceptions in the league this year, according to a stat that was shown on the broadcast tonight. Um, that one of the reasons I think Rodriguez looks so good is because Mensa is so calm. He kind of gets Rodriguez to play within himself. I think when Rodriguez was beside Nathan, I think Nathan's just, you know, kind of like uh, antsiness at times makes probably Rodriguez a bit Nancy, uh, a bit Nancy. You know how it is sometimes where players are kind of sometimes the product of the other players around them. Like if you've got good players around you that play a certain way, players adapt their style and they kind of fit in with a particular group. And for me, one of the, the big changes is how Rodriguez looks. And I think it's just because of Mensa. And then Paul Marie, uh, someone, someone mentioned it like, you know, he's, he's having, you know, quite a season. Uh, he's unseated Miguel Trauco as that starting left back. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's quite interesting because I, I mentioned to Lucci a couple of weeks ago, he may be the most consistent game in game out player. You know what you're going to get from Paul Marie. He's, he's, he's solid on defense, not great at all the time, but he's solid on defense threat going forward. Um, he always gets involved in the attack. He keeps people guessing him and Christian Espinoza keep people guessing how they're going to play those one twos in order to try to spread Espinoza. Sometimes yeah. what happened on the situation. Now this year he's more on the left side. And so now he's trying to get that same type of, of uh, work in with Cade Cowell and it's starting to bear fruit. It's taken them some time in order to get comfortable with each other. Tonight, I think you saw, the first game that they've looked the most comfortable with their pairing uh, this season. And you see what happened when Kate Cat with Kate Cowell now that they've gotten comfortable. Why? Because they've had three, four games in a row together. It's not, you know, constantly changing behind Cade. And I think that's had a big difference. And I don't yeah, mean to leave out Carlos because I think he had a solid game too. Uh, but, right, uh, but right. you know, and, I, and with the, you are seeing the fact that we're not the fact that we're the fact that there's not a lot of talk to talk about there is actually a really good thing. Yeah, no, I would I would agree. And I think that you give the opportunities for some of the other players to get involved in that as well. So like I mentioned earlier, Jamero Montero kind of mixing it up there on that side of the attack, giving him some of that freedom as well. But Robert, um, maybe some of your thoughts here about the that defensive poise as well, considering that was a really big part of kind of like the outcome of this match. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we I talked to a lot of folks within the club and and they're all so impressed with Jonah Mensa and the way he's come in and and really been another team captain you know if you had to give a defensive captain responsibilities to anyone it's going to be to to Jonah and he, he had that captain's role in Columbus you know this he's not a stranger to to leading a team both uh, on the field and off the field mm. and so you know he's you know he's a player with an exceptional pedigree as a player 
but you've almost included another role that he's playing for you behind the scenes that you know begins to uh, to kind of come out on game day in, in the same ways that Jamin you're mentioning with Rodriguez and kind of giving him that compliment you know that's that's exactly what training is all about it's Mensa being that that rock in the back that you know, the others are looking to and he brings that uh, that again that pedigree and that credibility that you know allows all the defenders to to know that you know he's there and he he's got their back so you know the quakes uh, you know for for better or for worse so well for better certainly have 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 really added a piece that you could say is more than a single piece, and and I think that's an important uh, thing to remember about you know that kind of signing. It's not just on game day that uh, the Quakes are gaining gaining the benefits. Yeah, and how interesting that this happens after it was really an injury, right? An unforeseen circumstance right. with Nathan going down that had the front office looking for a replacement, a very quick replacement. And they ended up bringing in Jonathan Mensah, right? So we had to give the credit there as well for being really quick to make that response. I don't know that this is something that would have happened in prior seasons. I mean, who knows, right? Under Jesse Fiorinelli, we saw a much different approach where there weren't a lot of internal signings from within the league. And we've seen a lot more of that more recently under this new leadership, right? So having Jonathan Mensah uh, has been like quite the change for this team and has brought quite a different approach to how calm they are on the ball. And I think like, it's not just affecting the person who's next to him. I think it affects a lot of the players around him Mm -hmm. as well. The fullbacks, I think even, you know, a player like Cade Cowell really benefits from having a leader like Mensa, who is going to be there and just provide that, that calmness and that poise for the team. Um, Another topic that he talked about too, uh, Jamin, you had asked about the red card and how that affects. Can we fit in uh, an A's birthday before I, uh, before I get too much deeper into the show? I just want to like, Get it out here while I still have these uh, these comments available. Oh uh, yeah, Dom, yeah. Dom yeah, Peters yeah, yeah. wants to make sure that we wish so, so Dominic a Peters, very happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. So Dominic Peters brought this up. Dom, who uh, is a you know has been with the Quakes Academy, uh, played goalkeeper at uh, at the collegiate level, wants us to wish as we should Ana a very happy birthday. And so Ana, our dear friend, who is a big part of Quakes Epicenter, happy birthday to you. Well, he, and he's got some emojis he's trying to put in there, although they didn't really come through correctly. So we got a, yeah, yeah, I love we got that. a, we got a poop shape, a red heart <laughs> shape, a a tongue out shape, and then another heart shape. So just imagine yeah. what that would look like, I guess. Thank you for that, Don. <laughs> Much appreciated. <laughs> love you, Anae. I hope you're having a wonderful evening, and it's really great that the Quakes were able to get a three nothing win, win for you. All right. Yeah. Happy birthday, Anae. We all appreciate you very man. much. Yeah, I, I, I want to, uh, you know, back to my first question to, to Lucci tonight, you know, something that, uh, you know, this team has been not so much in the spotlight all week, but certainly the incident last week, you know, has, you know, sort of carried over in a lot of conversations around the league. Um, but like Lucci said, you know, this team, you know, understood what they could do and, and really embraced the, you know, the path forward and and played exceptional. I, you didn't see anything that sort of might even hinted at, at last week. There was a little bit of, in the uh, in the pregame uh, anthem that uh, might have suggested uh, a little bit of that. But you know, other than that, when the opening whistle began, you know, the Quakes were business, all business, and and looking to just look forward. And and you know, getting that uh, three points is is their their goal, and they didn't let the, the distractions sort of hold them back. So that was something I was I was very impressed with. Something I was looking for this week. 
to see if the Quakes would be able to, to be that. Because, um, you know, a team that shows that kind of poise is a team that can overcome all different types of adversity. And so this is just one example mm -hmm. that they came through with flying colors. Yeah, and I would say, like, the result in New York, I wouldn't let that... Uh you know, uh, obfuscate what happened with this team and like how how much of a collective effort they put in in response to that as well. Like when that incident happened, these guys really came together and supported one another. I think it was very clear. Right. Um, and again, going back to that idea of leadership from Jeremy Abobasi to the other individuals who were, you know, stepping up and standing up for their teammates in this very difficult situation. I mean, we there were signs that these guys could come together as a collective and that they would galvanize around, you know, some difficulties. Hey everyone, uh, we'll be having forward Kate Cow here in five minutes. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll have you, uh, we'll keep everyone posted here in a bit. Okay. Uh, again, we'll have forward like Kate here joining us in about five minutes. I, I asked for Kate, asked and you shall receive. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, thank you, Jamie, for that. But anyway, um, yeah, I uh, personally was, wasn't was too surprised that they came out uh, together as a collective and they performed really well together. But I think that's a really good point to bring up, uh, Robert, to ask Lucci about that and to get a little bit of insight as to you know how this team was going to respond. Well, I think it's very fair, too. I mean, we we this is not a Quakes team that's a perennial, you know, top of the league finisher. They 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 struggle to do well. And, and you know, so any adversity can can sometimes have some pretty damaging effects. You know, I'm I'm you know much more I'm beyond encouraged by what I what I saw tonight mm -hmm. in, in a game that you know came against a last place team. Sure. A team that's only scored two goals all season. OK, but uh, those aren't sure things in MLS. No game is mm -hmm. a sure thing in MLS. And and they could have easily have had distractions that sort of uh, kind of made it difficult for them tonight and, and we really didn't have to see you know see them experience any of that and that's something that uh, again every week when uh, adversity comes up you want to know that they can get through it and now they have a, a, an example where they did yeah and to be fair to the quakes defensively you know the sporting kansas city was coming into this match with some of their better offensive mm -hmm. players after not having them for a large part of the season right uh not, not only did they have shallowy who is uh quite the antagonist for Quakes fans right after some of the comments he's made previously about the team. But they also had Johnny Russell coming back into the team and they had Alan Pulido who came in, um, who is, you know, kind of a, uh, I wouldn't say a storied figure, but a pretty well-known guy around the league. And obviously after playing uh, in, in Liga Mekis too. So like having those guys come in and giving them a little bit more offensive punch, knowing that Peter Vermees has quite a bit of experience in this league. We had talked about whether or not he's on the hot seat for this team, even though he's been, you know, he's been around for quite a while. He's established the system for them. He's won MLS Cup with them. Uh, they're having quite a bit of struggle. But again, it wasn't a given that the Quakes were going to win this game, despite the fact that Sporting Kansas City had only scored two goals. So yeah, I mean, usually when a team hasn't scored in in seven halves, you're kind of like, oh my goodness, you know, they're due. And then when they probably get one in, they're going to put a bunch thing. in. You know, and I, I was fully prepared to see this be like a three-two game because you know maybe the uh, maybe the the the, uh, the waterworks were going to open for both teams at the same time, and we were just going to have an up and down affair. And you know, the the Quakes got the three goals, but again, it was that that really kind of solid defense that structure is always in place, and almost no matter what the situation, even when a mistake was made, that that structure was there to kind of like help them and bail them out, and and being calm and, and winning tackles. I mean, there's only really the one situation that that even felt like, you know, it was going to be a problem tonight was uh, maybe that uh, tackle in the box that potentially could have been 
a penalty the other way. But even at that situation, it was, it was, you know, would have been three zero, you know, that would have made it three one, you know, again, it, it, the, the Quakes got the win tonight partially because, you know, of the red card, obviously, but they played, you know, much, you know, much better than sporting Kansas city did and gave them, you know, I think the right opportunities. And, and it's just like, you're, you know, you're just not, not used to seeing this with the Quakes team. They just seem they're calm with the ball. They're moving it. They're passing it. Um, even in a, in a one, nothing game or a two, one game or anything like that, these one goal games, they don't really seem all that flapped about it. And I, I didn't feel like, you know, they played all that differently three zero than they had when they were one zero against Colorado or two one, you know, against Vancouver. It, it felt very much like the same team at home consistently. We're seeing, I think pretty much the same quakes team in and out. They're generating about the same amount of expected goals in every game. If you take out the penalties, you know, that there's a consistency. And from a, from an analytics guy like me, and trying to like weigh like you know how is this team performing over the first 10 games of the season and how does that predict you know how they're going to play going forward you know the numbers are going to look really really good um if they keep uh, playing at home the way they are now they're going to come across that tough stretch i know i said that a couple couple games ago but if you take a look at who's coming up next you know they got rsl they've got lafc uh, a couple times in there the galaxy seattle like there are some tough games coming and They've kind of had the bottom of the West um, and been able to get out with results at home and against the bottom of the West. Now they're going to have to be able to get results against the top of the West and more games on the road uh, than they've had so far. And, you know, you were talking about uh, the possibility that if Sporting were able to get that goal, that the floodgates could open, that, you know, uh, there was always that fear that they can suddenly turn on and be quite um, imposing force for the Quakes. Robert, you had mentioned while we were in the press box that we were kind of expecting this sort of thing to happen with Jeremy Bobasi, right? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, he's just waiting for that goal because he, he could score in bunches, right? And it was like, once he gets that first goal or starts getting that opportunity, then we might be seeing him score a lot more goals. Um, Jamin, you had asked at the last home game, I think you were wondering what the movement was looking like at the top of the formation with Jeremy Bobasi, right? Because I know that Alex Morgan had said that it looked like he was lost out there, at least on the broadcast. And so that was something I was kind of watching for a little bit this match. And I noticed that when the Quakes have that that possession and that poise that we've been already discussing throughout, they are more likely to take a lot more of those opportunities towards the front of the formation and have that as sort of like an additional uh, part of their attack. So I was noticing like Jeremy Abobasi Abo getting a lot more meaningful touches at the top of the formation and being mm -hmm. able to work with and distribute throughout the midfield and really get involved in the match. Right. And I feel like when Jeremy Abobasi is getting involved in that fashion, he is finding other ways to get involved in the attack as well. So not just on the passing and holding up in the traditional nine uh, as he did, but also like when he is running up and, and creating those opportunities for himself. And I think that's really Jeremy Abobasi at his best. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and and you know to that point too. I think we were talking about this earlier as well. You know, it's great to see the Quakes on offense. You know, 
the players sort of taking different runs and in different angles. And and there were times earlier this season, and especially last season, where you'd see two or three or four guys crash the box all together. And and you know, you're you're just hoping the cross gets somewhere in that line of players and maybe one of them get it in. But you know, tonight with Jeremy popping back sometimes, you know, his his second goal of the night was a fantastic you know, positional play, you know, Paul Marie pulling that ball back, Jeremy waiting right where he needed to be for that for that pass and not mm-hmm. trying to crash the box too aggressively mm-hmm. is, is something I, I'm not sure, you know, I saw as much of uh, in, in the past and now feel more comfortable that the Quakes attack is starting to kind of understand what each player can do in those individual moments. And that, that I think, is something to be encouraged by. Um, and if Cade's pulling the string like he did tonight, well, good things will happen. I think we have Cade All coming right, we're up. now joined by forward Cade Cowell. So let's start with a question from Jimmy Moore. Unmuted. Hi, Cade. Congratulations on the win tonight. And I think, uh, you know, importantly for you, you got an assist tonight. You got a good secondary assist to, to Paul Marie. Uh, who, uh, who created the cutback to Abobasi. You also put the ball over the top to Abobasi that uh, turned into the dog so situation and the penalty. So you're involved in all three goals. How good does that have to feel to you tonight that you really put a stamp on this game? Um, obviously, it felt really good individually, but also glad to help get a huge three points at home and keep our streak alive. Next, uh, Robert Jonas. No, thank you. Yeah, so as Jamon said, a, you know, a really good game tonight. You know, you have uh, an opportunity with the national team coming up this week. You know, you know how was important for you to to get that momentum to to leave San Jose with three points and now have an opportunity with the national team to to continue that moment. Before I leave, going to camp, feeling really confident, and hopefully get some good. in the game and let's uh, switch over to Paula Marudi for a question Paula how important is this result for the next game coming up thank you so much and congratulations on helping Christian Espinosa to score the first goal to set the tone for the game things yeah I feel like um like every game but uh they're all really important this one was really important too going um to a tough game and away to in Utah. It's always tough to play there. So I feel like it's really good. I feel like all of us are really confident going in. So that's always huge and helps a lot. Let's do a quick second round. Uh, going back uh, to Robert Jones for a second question. Thanks. Uh, I, I asked coach this question as well. Um, with the, with the, the events of last week, you know, with the, you know, the, the talk of, you know the you know the incident in New York and 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 all of the the effects it could have had. You know, you know, you you guys as a team really came out strong tonight. You know, there was a lot of poise, a lot of confidence, a lot of calmness on the ball. What was it like this week in preparation for this game? And and how do you and and you feel your teammates uh, you know kind of showed and and what that's going to mean for this team moving forward? Um, yeah, I mean, like always, working hard as possible every single day and. There's a lot of preparation going into this game. It was a must, must need three points. So we went out there and got it. And uh, one final one from Jamie Moore. Unmuted. Hey, Kate, thanks for taking a second. Um, it's uh, been noticeable uh, more recently how well you and Paul Marie are starting, starting to kind of gel together over there. Obviously, you know, he's played with this team a lot as a right back, but getting this kind of consistent time 
at left back, it seems like you both are getting comfortable with each other. Can you talk about, uh, you know, uh, that, that uh, you know, combination that you have with Paul and also from a defensive side and, and uh, the changes that, that Lucci's brought, it feels like you're getting more involved on the defensive side as well. So if you could uh, give us some, some insight in, in both of those areas. Thank you. Muted. Yeah, I mean, obviously really good friends off the pitch and um, it's not easy for either of us to play on the left side and use our weak foot on sometimes, especially in defense. That can be really challenging. Um, but he's stepped up and done a really good job on the left. I mean, it's not not easy at all to do. So he's doing really well. Um, so, yeah. All right, that wraps up tonight's press conference. Thank you, everyone. Congrats, Kate, for the win. Thank you. Really interesting to hear Kate talk about the difficulty playing with his left foot on the left side, because <laughs> I never would have guessed that that was actually a struggle for him, considering some of the passes he was putting across the box tonight, right? Especially on the goal that Christian Espinoza scored. Uh, I mean, what do you think, guys? Like, Cade, uh, brevity, first and foremost? Yeah, see. <laughs> In and he, out, right? <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, 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 I know that. I know that with Cade we're going to get some some brevity, but that that's okay because we get long answers from Lucci. We don't necessarily <laughs> need long answers from everybody, right? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, uh, yeah, so <laughs> answers are short for the questions. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay with a, uh, you know, I, a I, 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 we know we're not going to get a, a, a novella whenever you know, Kate <laughs> speaks, but you know, he, he did point out and I think, you know, he, he sees it too. You know, this team is really gelling and, and, you know, this is the kind of, you know, game overall game performance that, you know, he is supposed to be a part of, or he's expected to be a part of, maybe that's a better way of putting it. And so, you know, when he's feeling it and his teammates are feeling it, you know, that's, that's when you can be pretty pleased about things. So um, maybe short Cade Cal, Cade Cal answers are, are all we uh, can expect, but uh, you know, he, he, he delivered the short answers we were, we, we were looking for tonight. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jamie, I think you got other thoughts on the Cade. No, uh, press we, we've got something out of that. It's interesting that he plays all this time on the left, and then he talks about like, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's less comfortable to play on the left. So, so it's interesting to me. Like, does that mean he wants to play on the right, and hmm. you know, or does he want to play striker? Like, I, I would like to kind of maybe follow up with him on that sometime and just just understand that a bit better. So, you know, one of the things with, uh, so you got basically uh, two wingers here. One plays an inverted winger with Cade, uh, even Benji, uh, if they play over there, even, even a Sunny Buddha, if he played, played over there, would also be an inverted winger. So your left side, no matter who you're running out there, is going to be an inverted winger plus an inverted outside back, which is, that's actually kind of unique. Usually you want one of those two to be left-footed, and Miguel Trauco is left-footed, right? Um, and then on the right, you've got a natural winger with Christian Espinoza. So what, what normally you see is that when you got an inverted winger, they tend to cut in. They're able to shoot on that right foot. They tend to score more goals. They tend to get fewer assists. With a natural winger like Christian Espinoza, they tend to get more assists, like Espinoza has throughout his career, and they tend to get fewer goals. A bit of a flip tonight because yeah. you have Espinoza – scoring goals fifth most or sorry third most in the league with five right and three of those from open play and you've got Cade Cowell who's uh, getting assist tonight so you know and took a took a really nice hard shot with his left foot uh, going away from goal so you know it's 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 really interesting to kind of see how both of them are are coming into these particular roles uh this year and um you know we'll see is this a one-time thing for Cade my fear with Cade 
is that he's got this kind of like very unique, you know, level of talent that comes out in certain situations and then like disappears for three games and then comes back out again. And you're kind of like always hoping that the next game is going to be like one of those like games where you get to see the, the cool Cade Cowell stuff. Well, we got to see mm -hmm. that tonight, right? Can he keep create that consistency that he talked about after his game against Serbia with the U S national team in the preseason when he said he wants this to be a consistent season. Well, that's the thing that now he needs to produce. It's exact. And he knows it. And he said it himself. Like, this is the type of game that I have to be consistent as a player. If I'm going to get that call to Europe, you know, I have to be consistent as a player. And then he's, he said more recently that he wants to go to Europe and that, you know, he thinks he's ready for that. But, you know, I think it is important to show this consistency. Can he take this and then build it into something more with the U.S. national team, have another great national team game against Mexico. I think U.S. fans would really love to see that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is a big question to bring up is how is Cade going to respond and is he going to find that consistency? I think Quakes fans might be a little bit traumatized when it comes to some of these U.S. national team call-ups because sometimes our some of our prospects have had difficulty going back and forth between the two. We've actually seen the effect of that on the players. I remember back when David Bingham was playing keeper for the Quakes, that was definitely an issue with him. Uh, there were questions about when Wondolowski was getting called in. And more recently, we saw this with Jackson Ewell, right? With his time with the U.S. national team and then returning back to the Quakes and sometimes finding a little difficulty getting back into form for the team. Will this be the case with Cade Cal? Uh, who knows how that's going to go? But we have the game against Real Salt Lake coming up. We have the midweek game against uh, uh, Monterey Bay FC in the U.S. Open Cup. And then Cade has his national team responsibilities, as does Jackson. So that's going to be an interesting thing to look at for this team going forward. And Lucci touched on it, and I think it's important to remember, too, with his background with the national team and the coaching setup there is there there's some similarities or at least there's some uh, some sort of cultural similarities that mm. you know Lucci has brought to San Jose that you know, he did learn under Greg Berhalter and and kind of uh, kind of you know in that national team setup and so when when Jackson heads out there you know that's where Lucci first worked with him when Cade's now out there in the national team setup you know there's a lot of the uh, the foundation that was built in these last few years that Anthony Hudson has still following through with. So I don't think we're seeing players that are going to be kind of torn away from the quake system of play, but maybe in fact, you know, are, are still getting a, a kind of a level of, of attention and maybe even a level of play higher than they're getting here in San Jose. Could be, could be a good thing. Could be a big benefit away. for the team. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I think what's, I think what's really good is, is Anthony Hudson is, is probably going to play very similar to Burhalter. Greg or um, uh, Lucci is playing very similar to Burhalter. So, you know, remember back in the Almeida days and something Nick Lima used to complain about is, is changing from Almeida to, you know, the national team. And I think at the time it, it was when Greg was first starting out that Lima got his first, you know, kind of run out there. You know, that's a tough change to go from a man marking defense into, you know, something more traditional. And then like Nick Lima got asked to play this kind of like double pivot you know, guy who would come inside and, and play beside a Tyler Adams type and then, you know, have to go back out and play, you know, outside. That's a huge difference, right? The great thing, I think, for Cade and for Jackson is they're likely stepping into a situation where they're going to be very comfortable. The amount of change is going to be very small. Um, it's going to look very much like the system that they're playing now. I'll be interested to see if Jackson does get playing time. If Do we see him more as an eight? Or because Greg originally started him off as a six, right? 
and he wanted those kind of deeper balls and, and him spraying balls everywhere. But that's not what Jackson's doing right now because, you know, we got, you know, Carlos Carrezzo and, and uh, Lucci only plays with one defensive midfielder. So my expectation is we're going to see Jackson probably play as an eight. That's something he hasn't really done with the national team outside of the, U, the uh, U20s. Uh, when he did that in the CONCACAF um, uh, tournament. So it'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, how uh, how uh, Jackson steps into that situation, if we'll get to see him. And then also for Cade, you know, does he step into a situation that for him also feels, uh, you know, normal and comfortable and, you know, it, it doesn't feel like that much change. You know, we'll see. There's a lot to look forward to with the match, that's for sure. I think this is a good part, uh, a good time for us to go ahead and pivot to our final thoughts as we head out for the night. Um, Robert, I'm going to go ahead and have you uh, lead us here in the final thoughts segment. So as we head into the game against RSL and subsequently uh, Monterey Bay FC, what do you think? Yeah, I, I said it earlier, you know, the Quakes are essentially taking care of business at home. And in this season, if you can take care of uh, the games uh, here at PayPal Park, you're going to make the playoffs with the number of teams that are going to qualify. If you look at the table, you know, the Quakes have played five home games, four out of five of those were three point victories. And now they sit tied for third in, in the conference. That's not something we would have been saying uh, in any recent season or expecting that in any recent season. So, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased to see the Quakes get the points that they, they need to get. Uh, this sort of kind of is a comment back to what Jamon said earlier about you know, they didn't, uh, you know, they, they benefited from the red card tonight, you know, but it didn't seem like they needed the red card necessarily tonight. You know, mm -hmm. they, they were doing pretty well at that point in the game and maybe could have, you know, really kind of kept that pace up and, and still come away with a pretty, uh, pretty good victory tonight. Didn't hurt to have a red card and, and uh, I'm sure they'll take it, but we're seeing a Quakes team that's not hanging on, at least in these games, they're getting the points they have to get. And that's going to be really important come the, uh, the summer and the fall. Absolutely. Absolutely. Turning, PayPal Park back into a fortress as it was when it was a Via Stadium, right? Um, Jamin Moore, your final thoughts as we head out of the uh, of the stadium here, as we head out at the end of the game. What do you think? Yeah, nice to get a comfortable victory, right? Uh, you know, uh, there's always a level of kind of like nervousness uh, coming into some of these games as to, you know, is this going to be the night that this team gets found out? You know, that we're going to not see the Quakes team that we think we've seen so far. Um, and you saw a little bit of that with the St. Louis game, right? Where you're like, oh, you know, maybe maybe there's, you know, a, a bigger a step that this team needs to take. But but they've recovered since then. They've, they've put together a string of consistent results uh, since that game. Um, and, uh, you know, they, now they got to head back out on the road. But they do so, you know, in a comfortable position uh, in the conference right now. You know, if they can get a draw, that would be fantastic. It'd be a good result, I think, in RSL, that team that's been kind of up and down this season. We're not quite sure what we're going to see uh, mm -hmm. with, with RSL in any given week. Um, and the Quakes feel more like a, a fairly consistent team, that you know what you're going to get from them. And a lot of it's going to be, you know, can they find the back of the net in, in that particular game? But, you know, they've gotten, gotten back on getting some open play goals. Um, you know, the things, uh, the offense looks like it's clicking a little bit better. Um, you know, I think uh, the better movement in the in the attacking third and uh, they're less predictable and uh, getting more comfortable with each other. So you, you hope that that means that good things can come. It is possible to go into RSL and steal a win. And uh, they should be trying to look for that. And if nothing else, you try to walk away with the point and try to hold your position, you know, in the Western Conference right now 
Um, it's uh, it's very interesting. The Quakes sitting in fifth, uh, coming into tomorrow's uh, you know uh, games, and uh, you know that that's that's about where you know between fifth and ninth, right, is exactly where you know I kind of expect this team to be. I think they're a mid-table team. Maybe uh, their upside is upper mid-table. Uh, maybe an outside chance at a home playoff spot. And, uh, you know, so far so good, but now they got to go do it on the road. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. And, of course, we get the upside of getting to watch uh, Jackson Ewell and Cade Cowell potentially with uh, the national team against Mexico this week. So always, always a fun time. And then after RSL, yeah, U.S. Open Cup starts. And, uh, you know, that was a kind of a, a good time and then a bad time last season. So uh, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how – how Lucci approaches a open cup game because we don't really know how he's going, what he's going to do. If he's going to try to like go for it and play more starters, if he's going to go completely with a rotation lineup, particularly with these midweek games, um, hopefully maybe get a chance to talk to him pretty soon about his approach to, uh, to open cup and then eventually leagues cup as well. Yeah. Lots to look forward to there. And for Quakes fans, we have, you know, the return of Simon Dawkins and Frank Yallop. First time Fra Frank Yallop is facing the San Jose Earthquakes since his coaching stint uh, with the Chicago Fire, right? So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm sure we're going to have plenty of more time to talk about that after the next match against RSL. So as we head to the end of the show here, I would like to encourage everybody to check out our website, quakesepicenter.com, where you can find our articles from our, our fantastic writers, as well as the salary spreadsheet which collects all the data and in regards to what players are making and what these, the, uh, the budget looks like under the current cap situation, who the designated players are, all that valuable and interesting information. That's all there on our website, as well as the Quakes Epicenter Patreon. You can find that there. And for just $2 a month, you can get early access to all of our materials over on uh, quakesepicenter.com for $5 a month. If you're willing to pitch in just a little bit more, you'll also get access to our Slack where you can talk to other Quakes fans who contribute to our Patreon. Um, make sure you follow us on social media at Quakes Epicenter on Twitter and Instagram. And one last thing before we head out tonight, I wanted to make sure I referenced the other uh, group of uh, uh, guys who cover the earthquakes that I work with over at Quakes After 90. Uh, my friends Dom and Sterling and Zach and Bill, we got together this morning and we talked about the incident that occurred uh, against or when, you know, in New York against the New York Red Bulls. And we spent quite a bit of time talking about uh, racism in the sport. And we covered a lot of the news surrounding the team. There's, you know, uh, if you've ever tuned into that show, you know that we have a little bit of a different style, kind of like a fan podcast. There's a lot of banter. We have fun with it. So I want to encourage folks to go check out Quakes After 90 as well, especially because this last episode meant a lot to all of us to be able to sit together and talk about these really important issues in regard to the team. So you can find that over on um, Apple Podcasts. You can find it on uh, Spotify or any of your regular podcast listening services. And make sure you follow those guys too and check out Quakes After 90 on Twitter. Jamin, it looks like you have one more thing. More thing. Yes, I think it's important, particularly Robert and I, we want to say a huge thanks to Jake Pisani, who is ending his time as the uh, Senior Director of Communications with the Earthquakes uh, and moving on to a, a new opportunity outside of soccer. We wish him the best. Jake, you've been the best. Um, you know, I, we're going to really, really miss uh, working with you and having you around. And, uh, you know, thanks for all your many, many years of service, you know, not just to the club, but to us personally and uh, supporting everything we do. This show, just so everyone's aware, this show would not be what it is without Jake's 
you know, support. If, if we had him when we wanted to do this, I talked to him about uh, what we wanted to do and what kind of support we needed. And he's been with us every step of the way, supporting us, you know, not to, you know, you know, when we are going like, hey, we want to carry the press conference, you know, on our show over the air and, and ask questions and the fans will get to watch it. That was a new thing. No one had done done that before in this league. Fans had no access to press conferences back in the day. You know, it started a little bit with Black and a Soul, and we kept it up here, you know, with uh, with Quicks Epicenter and the Aftershock. And so I just wanted to personally say thank you to Jake. Uh, the show is is happens because people like Jake, you know, understand, you know, what the possibility is for it to be to mean to the community. And, and I want to just say thank you to him. And uh, if you guys have anything you want to add, uh, we'll let you do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Jake, Jake's been amazing. He's, uh, you know, like you said, been in that role for a number of years now. It was nice in the uh, the, pref, uh, the press box today. Uh, they they rolled out a congratulatory cake and yeah. we all got to, <laughs> to celebrate a little with Jake on on his way out. Uh, and it was really nice to see the team celebrate with a with a with a three point victory. I know Jake was smiling throughout it as, as well. So he's been extremely helpful at trainings. He's been helpful when the team's on the road and preseason and in so many ways. And and we really look forward to working forward with uh, Pedro Ortiz, who's who's uh, you know our new you know head of communications in that regard. And look, and he's been great for us as well. So uh, you know, Jake, we couldn't have done it without you. Thanks so much, my friend, and uh, good luck with everything that comes next. Yeah, and as a, the new guy around here, um, every, you know, Jake just, he's just such a professional and certainly made me feel welcome in terms of like, you know, getting access and being able to join you all and to be able to do this show. So I think it's a really great note to end on. And thanks once again to Jake Pisani for everything that you've done for uh, the Quakes Media and for us, particularly here at Quakes Epicenter and for the Aftershock. So I would like to once again encourage folks to check us out on social media. Make sure you like and subscribe to our YouTube channel here and turn on those notifications so you can join us after every match and throughout the week when we produce additional content. Have a great night.